Part six of the History of the Caliph Bathek by William Beckford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was not less light than in the brightest of the dog days, and the weather was hot in proportion. But how degrading was the spectacle to behold the Caliph bespattered like an ordinary mortal! As the exercise of his faculties seemed to be suspended, one of his Ethiopian wives, for he delighted in variety, clasped him in her arms, threw him upon her shoulder like a sack of dates, and finding that the fire was hemming them in, set off with no small expedition, considering the weight of her burden. The other ladies, who had just learnt the use of their feet, followed her. Their guards galloped after, and the camel-drivers brought up the rear as fast as their charge would permit. They soon reached the spot where the wild beasts had commenced the carnage, and which they had too much spirit to leave, notwithstanding the approaching tumult and the luxurious supper they had made. Bababaluk nevertheless seized on a few of the plumpest, which were unable to budge from the place, and began to flay them with admirable adroitness. The cavalcade, being got so far from the conflagration as that the heat felt rather grateful than violent, it was immediately resolved on to halt. The tattered chintzes were picked up, the scraps left by the wolves and tigers interred, and vengeance was taken on some dozens of vultures that were too much glutted to rise on the wing. The camels, which had been left unmolested to make sal ammoniac, being numbered, and the ladies once more enclosed in their cages, the imperial tent was pitched on the levelest ground they could find. Vathek, reposing upon a mattress of down, and tolerably recovered from the jolting of the Ethiopian, who to his feelings seemed the roughest trotting jade he had hitherto mounted, called out for something to eat. But alas, those delicate cakes which had been baked in silver onions for his royal mouth, those rich manchets, amber comfits, flagons of Shiraz wine, porcelain vases of snow and grapes from the banks of the Tigris, were all irredeemably lost, and nothing had the Babaluk to present in their stead but a roasted wolf vultures a la daube, aromatic herbs of the most acrid pregnancy, rotten truffles, boiled thistles, and such other wild plants as most ulcerate the throat and parch up the tongue. Nor was he better provided in the article of drink, for he could procure nothing to accompany these irritating viands but a few vials of abominable brandy, which had been secreted by the scullions in their slippers. Vathek made wry faces at so savage a repast, and Bababaluk answered them with shrugs and contortions. The caliph, however, ate with tolerable appetite, and fell into a nap that lasted six hours. The splendour of the sun reflected from the white cliffs of the mountains, in spite of the curtains that enclosed him, at length disturbed his repose. He awoke terrified, and stung to the quick by those wormwood-coloured flies which emit from their wings a suffocating stench. The miserable monarch was perplexed how to act, though his wits were not idle in seeking expedients, whilst Bababaluk lay snoring amidst a swarm of those insects that busily thronged to pay court to his nose. The little pages, famished with hunger, had dropped their fans on the ground, and exerted their dying voices in bitter reproaches on the caliph, who now for the first time heard the language of truth. Thus stimulated, he renewed his imprecations against the Giaour and bestowed upon Mohammed some soothing expressions. "'Where am I?' cried he. "'What are these dreadful rocks, these valleys of darkness? Are we arrived at the horrible calf? 
is the Seymour coming to pluck out my eyes as a punishment for undertaking this impious enterprise? Having said this, he bellowed like a calf and turned himself towards an outlet in the side of his pavilion. But alas, what objects occurred to his view? On one side a plain of black sand that appeared to be unbounded, and on the other perpendicular crags, bristled over with those abominable thistles which had so severely lacerated his tongue. He fancied, however, that he perceived, amongst the brambles and briars, some gigantic flowers, but was mistaken, for these were only the dangled pampalores and the variegated tatters of his gay retinue. As there were several clefts in the rock from whence water seemed to have flowed, Vathek applied his ear with the hope of catching the sound of some latent runnel, but could only distinguish the low murmurs of his people who were repining at their journey and complaining for the want of water. To what purpose, asked they, have we been brought hither? Hath our caliph another tower to build? Or have the relentless Afrites, whom Carathis so much loves, fixed in this place their abode? At the name of Carathis, Vathek recollected the tablets he had received from his mother, who assured him they were fraught with preternatural qualities, and advised him to consult them as emergencies might require. Whilst he was engaged in turning them over, he heard a shout of joy and a loud clapping of hands. The curtains of his pavilion were soon drawn back, and he beheld Bababalouk, followed by a troop of his favourites, conducting two dwarves, each a cubit high, who brought between them a large basket of melons, oranges, and pomegranates. They were singing in the sweetest tones the words that follow. We dwell on the tops of these rocks in a cabin of rushes and canes. The eagles envy us our nest. A small spring supplies us with abdest and we daily repeat prayers which the prophet approves. We love you, O commander of the faithful. Our master, the good emir Fakreddin, loves you also. He reveres in your person the vice-regent of Mahomet. Little as we are, in us he confides. He knows our hearts to be good as our bodies are contemptible, and has placed us here to aid those who are bewildered on these dreary mountains. Last night, Whilst we were occupied within our cell in reading the Holy Koran, a sudden hurricane blew out our lights and rocked our habitation. For two whole hours a palpable darkness prevailed, but we heard sounds at a distance which we conjectured to proceed from the bells of a kafila passing over the rocks. Our ears were soon filled with deplorable shrieks, frightful roarings, and the sound of timbrels. Chilled with terror, we concluded that the Degil, with his exterminating angels, had sent forth their plagues on the earth. In the midst of these melancholy reflections, we perceived flames of the deepest red glow in the horizon, and found ourselves in a few moments covered with flakes of fire. Amazed at so strange an appearance, we took up the volume dictated by the blessed intelligence, and kneeling by the light of the fire that surrounded us, we recited the verse which says, Put no trust in anything but the mercy of heaven. There is no help save in the holy prophet. The mountain of Kaf itself may tremble. It is the power of Allah only that cannot be moved. After having pronounced these words we felt consolation, and our minds were hushed into a sacred repose. Silence ensued, and our ears clearly distinguished a voice in the air saying, Servants of my faithful servant, Go down to the happy valley of Fakreddin. Tell him that an illustrious opportunity now offers to satiate the thirst of his hospitable heart. 
the commander of true believers is this day bewildered amongst these mountains, and stands in need of thy aid. We obeyed with joy the angelic mission, and our master, filled with pious zeal, has culled with his own hands these melons, oranges, and pomegranates. He is following us with a hundred dromedaries laden with the purest waters of his fountains, and is coming to kiss the fringe of your consecrated robe, and implore you to enter his humble habitation, which, placed amidst these barren wilds, resembles an emerald set in lead. The dwarfs, having ended their address, remained still standing, and with hands crossed upon their bosoms, preserved a respectful silence. Vathek, in the midst of this curious harangue, seized the basket, and long before it was finished, the fruits had dissolved in his mouth. As he continued to eat, his piety increased, and in the same breath which recited his prayers, he called for the Koran and sugar. Such was the state of his mind when the tablets, which were thrown by at the approach of the dwarfs, again attracted his eye. He took them up, but was ready to drop on the ground when he beheld, in large red characters, these words inscribed by Carathis, which were indeed enough to make him tremble. Beware of thy old doctors, and their puny messengers of but one cubit high. Distrust their pious frauds, and instead of eating their melons, impale on a spit the bearers of them. Shouldst thou be such a fool as to visit them, the portal of the subterranean palace will shut in thy face, and with such force as shall shake thee asunder. Thy body shall be spit upon, and bats will engender in thy belly. To what tends this ominous rhapsody? cries the caliph. And must I then perish in these deserts with thirst, whilst I may refresh myself in the valley of melons and cucumbers? Accursed be the Gyor, with his portal of ebony. He hath made me dance attendance too long already. Besides, who shall prescribe laws to me? I, forsooth, must not enter any one's habitation. Be it so. But what one can I enter that is not my own? Bababaluk, who lost not a syllable of this soliloquy, applauded it with all his heart, and the ladies for the first time agreed with him in opinion. The dwarves were entertained, caressed, and seated with great ceremony on little cushions of satin. The symmetry of their persons was the subject of criticism. Not an inch of them was suffered to pass unexamined. Knick-knacks and dainties were offered in profusion, but all were declined with respectful gravity. They clambered up the sides of the caliph's seat, and placing themselves each on one of his shoulders, began to whisper prayers in his ears. Their tongues quivered like the leaves of a poplar, and the patience of Vathek was almost exhausted when the acclamations of the troops announced the approach of Fakreddin, who was come with a hundred old greybeards and as many Korans and dromedaries. They instantly set about their ablutions and began to repeat the Bismillah. Vathek, to get rid of these officious monitors, followed their example, for his hands were burning. The good emir, who was punctiliously religious, and likewise a great dealer in compliments, made an harangue five times more prolix and insipid than his harbingers had already delivered. The caliph, unable any longer to refrain, exclaimed, For the love of Mahomet, my dear Fakreddin, have done. Let us proceed to your valley and enjoy the fruits that heaven hath vouchsafed you. The hint of proceeding put all into motion. The venerable attendants of the emir set forward somewhat slowly, but Vathek, having ordered his little pages in private to goad on the dromedaries, loud fits of laughter broke forth from the cages, 
for the unwieldy curveting of these poor beasts and the ridiculous distress of their superannuated riders afforded the ladies no small entertainment they descended however unhurt into the valley by the large steps which the emir had cut in the rock and already the murmuring of streams and the rustling of leaves began to catch their attention the cavalcade soon entered a path which was skirted by flowering shrubs and extended to a vast wood of palm trees whose branches overspread a building of hewn stone this edifice was crowned with nine domes and adorned with as many portals of bronze on which was engraven the following inscription this is the asylum of pilgrims the refuge of travellers and the depository of secrets for all parts of the world nine pages beautiful as the day and clothed in robes of egyptian linen very long and very modest were standing at each door they received the whole retinue with an easy and inviting air four of the most amiable placed the caliph on the magnificent tachtrevan four others somewhat less graceful took charge of a babalook who capered for joy at the snug little cabin that fell to his share the pages that remained waited on the rest of the train when everything masculine was gone out of sight the gate of a large enclosure on the right turned on its harmonious hinges and a young female of a slender form came forth her light brown hair floated in the hazy breeze of the twilight a troop of young maidens like the pleiades attended her on tiptoe they hastened to the pavilions that contained the sultanas and the young lady gracefully bending said to them charming princesses everything is ready we have prepared beds for your repose and strewed your apartments with jasmine no insects will keep off slumber from visiting your eyelids we will dispel them with a thousand plumes come then amiable ladies refresh your delicate feet and your ivory limbs in baths of rose-water and by the light of perfumed lamps your servants will amuse you with tales the sultanas accepted with pleasure these obliging offers and followed the young lady to the emir's harem where we must for a moment leave them and return to the caliph vathek found himself beneath a vast dome illuminated by a thousand lamps of rock crystal as many vases of the same material filled with excellent sherbet sparkled on a large table where a profusion of viands were spread amongst others were sweetbreads stewed in milk of almonds saffron soups and lamb a la creme all of which the caliph was amazingly fond he took of each as much as was able testified his sense of the emir's friendship by the gaiety of his heart and made the dwarfs dance against their will for these little devotees durst not refuse the commander of the faithful at last he spread himself on the sofa and slept sounder than he had ever before beneath this dome a general silence prevailed for there was nothing to disturb it but the jaws of bababalouk who had untrussed himself to eat with greater advantage being anxious to make amends for his fast in the mountains as his spirits were too high to admit of his sleeping and not loving to be idle he proposed with himself to visit the harem and repair to his charge of the ladies to examine if they had been properly lubricated with the balm of mecca if their eyebrows and tresses were in order and in a word to perform all the little offices they might need he sought for a long time together but without being able to find out the door he durst not speak aloud for fear of disturbing the caliph and not a soul was stirring in the precincts of the palace he almost despaired of effecting his purpose when a low whispering just reached his ear it came from the dwarfs who were returned to their old occupation and for the nine hundred and ninety-ninth time in their lives 
were reading over the Koran. They very politely invited Bababalouk to be of their party, but his head was full of other concerns. The dwarfs, though scandalised at his dissolute morals, directed him to the apartments he wanted to find. His way thither lay through a hundred dark corridors, along which he groped as he went, and at last began to catch from the extremity of a passage the charming gossiping of the women, which not a little delighted his heart. Aha! What, not yet asleep? cried he, and, taking long strides as he spoke, did you not suspect me of abjuring my charge? I stayed but to finish what my master had left. Two of the black eunuchs, on hearing a voice so loud, detached a party in haste, sabre in hand, to discover the cause, but presently was repeated on all sides. Tis only Bababalouk, no one but Bababalouk. This circumspect guardian, having gone up to a thin veil of carnation-coloured silk that hung before the doorway, distinguished, by means of the softened splendour that shone through it, an oval bath of dark porphyry, surrounded by curtains festooned in large folds. Through the apertures between them, as they were not drawn close, groups of young slaves were visible, among whom Bababalouk perceived his pupils, indulgently expanding their arms, as if to embrace the perfumed water and refresh themselves after their fatigues. The looks of tender languor, their confidential whispers, and the enchanting smiles with which they were imparted, the exquisite fragrance of the roses, all combined to inspire a voluptuousness which even Bababalouk himself was scarce able to withstand. He summoned up, however, his usual solemnity, and, in the peremptory tone of authority, commanded the ladies instantly to leave the bath. Whilst he was issuing these mandates, the young Nurunahar, daughter of the emir, who was sprightly as an antelope and full of wanton gaiety, beckoned one of her slaves to let down the great swing, which was suspended to the ceiling by cords of silk, and whilst this was doing, winked to her companions in the bath, who, chagrined to be forced from so soothing a state of indolence, began to twist it around Bababalouk and tease him with a thousand vagaries. End of part six.